and welcome to episode 48. Getting oh. close to the 50. <laughs> yeah, I know. Far out. We're like a century, half a century old. Ah, <laughs> You look so good. Uh, so do you. I love your new haircut. Mm, thank you. Mm. Um, <laughs> by the by, yeah. I'm Dr. Greenfield. <laughs> this is Dr. Radness. R-A-D. <laughs> Mm-hmm. All I need to say. And together we are the partial historians. <laughs> Not partial in talent, I might add. <laughs> Just partial because we like Rome. Yeah. But anyway, anyway. Uh, picking up from where we left you hanging at the end of the last episode. Yes, we're chugging along in our journey to trace. Oh, from Rome. Room, yes. From the founding of the city. That's right. Yeah. Um, we're deep in uh, the misguided narrative territory <laughs> uh, where the Romans don't really know quite what to do with themselves because they seem to be losing. Yeah. Um, and they're not really sure what to do about that. You always wonder, actually, this is just by the by, something I'm just thinking off the top of my head. <laughs> this is so often the case with my remarks. Do you think that the people we're looking at, so like Livy and Dionysius, who were writing, you know, like 500 years after this happened, mm. well, at least Livy is, um, do you think that they're consciously you know, making these decisions? Or do you think that maybe by the time they're writing, it's a bit of a tradition that's been established about what happened at this point in time? Look, the trouble is that we've got a lot of other historians that we know of by name yes. and we have fragments of yeah, and not nothing enough. else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's clear that Livy and Dionysius mm. are relying on certain traditions yeah. of historiography yeah. that the Romans are engaging in. Yeah. And but it's, not, it's not clear how conscious they are of... Yeah. Know. And, well, their style is very different from the way we engage with history. Yeah. So for us today, writing a story about, you know, Rome, there's lots of caveats about, look, we're not sure about this. Look, we're not sure about that. Yeah. Um, Dionysius, for his part, tends to have these little asides where every so often he's like, look, this is the way I'm approaching yeah. this. I want to give you this type of information because I think it's important for you as the audience to have it. Yeah. And that's about as far as he goes into his process. And, yeah, Livy's kind of the same in that, yeah, you do occasionally get, um, you know, apart from the preface, obviously, but when he's right into the narrative, he occasionally says, look, it's unclear what happened, but this is the version I'm going with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so they seem to make decisions about which narrative they're going to follow without necessarily making it clear that they've decided. Yeah. And it's just implied that, you know, as the historian, I've made the decisions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is my narrative. Yeah. I guess I just wonder sometimes, is Livy, does Livy ever, like, would Livy have been aware maybe that, you know, something something <laughs> happened, something went down? Does it feel <laughs> like this story is sus? Yeah. I'm writing this story, it feels a bit weird. Exactly. I mean, obviously, yeah. I would imagine that maybe yes, because, you know, a lot of the references we have to, like, Porcena, you know, a lot of the more concrete asides we have in things like Tacitus and Pliny about Porcena, you know, sort of capturing the city or the Romans surrendering to Porcena, they obviously come later than Livy. So obviously there is still some consciousness that maybe, maybe something happened. <laughs> I, think they something feel, happened. I think they feel that there are issues. And certainly yeah. as we get further into um, Dionysius's narrative, yeah. he talks about what happens between Porcena and Rome as a defeat for Rome. Yeah, yeah. So... After he's told the story. Yeah, after he's told the story, he does refer back to it on a couple of occasions as a defeat. Yeah, yeah. And... Yeah, so there's there's some... There is some awareness there, perhaps a little bit, but anyway. I just just, just started wondering about that. So in terms of, like, our time frame now... Yes. We're kind of sitting around about the year 506 
Around-ish. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're about to... Which may sound the- like an alarming lack of progress <laughs> to our regular it, listeners. It, it may. Yeah. Uh, and yet, the, the wealth of detail, the stories that have been told. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, if you want to feel like you've, uh, you've accomplished something... To be fair, we could be going a bit later than that. We could be around 5.04. We don't really know. We could. There was some speculation about the dates at this point in time. Yeah. Um, things are a little bit hazy. Yeah. Um, it's about 5.06 slash 5.04, depending on whose narrative you want to hold on to yeah. for dear life. The consensus generally is about 5.06. Yeah. Um, the consoles for this year, this new year, it's a Ooh. brand new year. Yes, Pacera's gone. Let's, yes. Let's start afresh. Pacera's mo- moved away, yeah. left his camp behind, yeah. and we have Spurious, uh, Lartius, and Titus Herminius come in as consuls. Yeah, that sounds like a familiar name. Does it? Didn't those guys like get involved with the bridge and something? One of them? <laughs> maybe. Well, maybe. You know, I, I can't really <laughs> that's remember. Off, that's off the top of my head. Yes. But in any case, there is no war currently happening for the Romans at this point in time, which is very exciting. But guess what? War is happening for somebody else. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Uh, in, in Livy's account, it's one of Porcena's sons. Ah, yes. Yeah, yes. the famous uh, <laughs> orator. <laughs> yeah. who, um, who basically decides to lay siege to Aricia. Or Aricia, I suppose. Aricia. However you want to say it. Aricia. Aricia, okay. Um, and apparently seems rather random to the people of Aricia. They're kind of like, what the? Uh, okay, I guess we better go and get help. <laughs> he turns up and surprises them. He's like, I'm going to take your city. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's well, really sure what the motives are for this. Who knows? Andrew City. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, it seems a little bit random. Um, but I guess, according to Livy, it's basically because Porcena wants to make it look like, after the whole affair with Rome, that he hadn't just, you know, led his troops out there for nothing. <laughs> now, I dare say... We've come all this way, guys. Yeah, I dare say that it wasn't for nothing anyway. <laughs> but nonetheless... <laughs> Um, he basically says, okay, sure. So it looks like we have some sort of purpose here. Go and besiege Arikia and have my <laughs> blessing. <laughs> uh, and so they go and seek help from some of the Latin states. Yeah, the Arikians are like, well, look, this is a problem. Um, surprise attack. <laughs> yeah. Um, guys, we get can our we together? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so they source a whole bunch of help throughout Antium, Tusculum, yep. and Cumae. Yep, yep. And... Uh, Etrurians? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They gather a whole bunch of people together. Yep. Um, nevertheless, Arons manages to sort of push the Arikian force back to the city. Yeah, yeah. Um, it seems like, uh, seems like things don't always go, <laughs> again, mm-hmm. quite so well <laughs> up against uh, Arons. Mm. Yeah, they're not, uh, not doing all that well, particularly the Etrurians in my account. Ah, yes. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it all turns around for the best in the end uh, for the Arikians. Um, the Cumans under the command of, wait for it, ooh, ooh. Aristodemus the Effeminate. Oh, I told you I was going to say that name. <laughs> My favorite name. Aristodemus the Effeminate. Come on. <laughs> well, uh, I'm sorry. He defeats Aaron's. <laughs> sorry, listeners, I'm, I'm upset. I've stolen, <laughs> stolen your thunder. You have. <laughs> and you paused to let me do it. It was beautiful. Well, see, in my account, the Etrurians are basically, um, they're cut to pieces. And they lose their general. And so they're like, what are we going to do? I guess we'll just go to Rome and, see, and seek assistance, okay? Um, so they basically rock up and say, please, please, can you help us? And the mm-hmm. Romans say, ah, oh, okay, we'll give you a place to live and we'll, we'll take care of your wounds and... Then you can see what you'd like to do. 
And so they, is this the Etrurians? Yeah. Wow. I know. Okay. And then some of them, after they're better, they say, "All right, well, I guess we'll be heading off now, but rest assured, we will repeat tales of your hospitality, <laughs> Romans." Uh, but some of them choose to stay. Um, basically, they're kind of getting fond of the old Romans, and um, as a result, Livy says that the ground that's given to these people who decide to remain mm. um, to build their houses is afterwards called Tuscan Street. Aww. Aww. <laughs> That's a nice what an story. story. I know. <laughs> the Romans were nice to somebody for it's once. It's a very cute story. <laughs> yeah. Well, it does differ from yeah, my it does, narrative. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Dionysius's narrative has the Tyrrhenian army. So Aaron's leftover forces after their, their defeat yeah, by yeah. the Chimaeans, yeah. they move back towards Rome into that territory. Right, yeah. And it's them who right. receive the largesse of Ooh. the Romans' generosity. Uh, presumably yeah. on account of the fact that yeah. the Romans <laughs> had been so generously dealt with by them earlier. Yeah. Or when... maybe they're just still under the control. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they're just still allies yeah, and exactly. Bostana is still in charge of Rome. Exactly. Um, <laughs> in any case, uh, the Romans take in the wounded Tyrrhenians, restore right. them with health and uh, gives them food, nurse them, mm. much compassion. Yeah. The Senate gives them a city, a place in the city for their houses. So this is the viscous tuscus, mm. the habitation, yeah. the Tyrrhenians. Um, they give them the valley that extends between the Palatine and, and the Capitoline. Right, yeah. Very nice area. Mm. Um, a distance of about four stades, apparently. Yeah, well. And uh, gives them... Uh, um, and for this service, they receive a gift from Porcena. Yeah. Um, and this is the territory beyond the river, um, which they had ceded to Porcena at the end of the war. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I Interesting. See. I see what so you're there seems to be many ways in which this narrative allows the Romans to recoup all of the things that they may have lost after being yeah. defeated by Porcena. Yeah. I Very quick going, turnaround yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. I find it very confusing. Yes, it is a little bit. And not very plausible. No. I mean, yeah, it, it's all very confusing. I mean, what what are we supposed to make with these sorts of stories? I honestly don't know. Not really sure, well, but see, I'm glad that, you know, we had the effeminate come into the story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, Livy then goes on to talk about something which I don't think is in your account, um, where basically he says, in the year where the consuls are Publius Secretius and Publius Valerius Publicola, yes, Again, yes, which yes. Is a, it, it, apparently, according to Livy, around sort of you know again five oh five period. Um, once again, ambassadors turn up from Porcena, again saying, "Hey guys, so the Tarquin family, what about it?" <laughs> well, yeah, I yeah. mean, there's there's just no room for that in my narrative. Oh yeah, I know. Porcena's yeah. already Porcena's decided already he's, he's not friends with them well, anymore. This, this is kind of how <laughs> Livy, I suppose accounts for the break between Porcena and the Tarquinii. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so basically he's like, what do you say? And the Romans, of course, say, no, for God's sakes, no. How many <laughs> times do we have to tell you this? Um, and basically Porcena seems to sort of be thinking along the lines of, you know what, this is just, this is just a thorn in our side, isn't it? It's stopping us from becoming really close. And it, it disturbs me. <laughs> <laughs> I want the bonds of brotherhood I am paraphrasing. to embrace yeah. us. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. Um, but yeah, he basically says, you know what? I want to feel the warmth of your yeah. skin yeah. <laughs> under the moonlight. Fair enough, guys. Fair enough. <laughs> I respect your stance. And you know what? 
I don't want to see your liberty impeded either. <laughs> so you know what? Let's be free together. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Since you have stood by your refusal on a number of occasions, I shall from now on respect that. <laughs> now, of course, I'm not going to be so crass as to harm the Turquinii. But no longer will I help them. And I'm going to suggest that they just move along. Yeah, I'm not going to press their suit for them anymore. Exactly. They'll have to press their own. Exactly. So basically the deal is, guys, that I will tell them that they have to find somewhere else <laughs> to spend their exile. No longer is it going to be with me. And so basically... A plague upon them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so now, 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 this is where Livy says, from now on, peace is pretty firmly established between the Romans and the Empire Center from this point on. Yeah. Um, and yeah, basically, yeah, Tycunius... It's a beautiful story. It is. Tycunius basically buggers off to Tusculum with his father-in-law, Mamelus Octavius. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, and uh, that's where he will remain for a little bit. Um, <laughs> Not but yeah, long. So that, that's kind of, you know, the end of, of his ambitions, I suppose, as far as Porcena is concerned. Okay, so yeah. we now have... And he even gives back... Sorry, mm. the hostages which he still had. Oh, wow. And also... He's had them all this time. The territory that he had taken when he'd taken the hostages, he basically says, here you go, guys. Ah. Yeah, so this yes. is, again, I suppose, maybe explaining yeah. like you said. So we have shades of layering where these narratives intersect yeah. with each other. Yeah. And... Territories being given back. Territories Vene- are returned. Venetian land, apparently. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Friendships are re-established. Yeah. Territories regained. The Tarquinii are resoundingly dumped by everybody as being <laughs> boring and no longer interesting. You're not relevant anymore. Yeah. <laughs> please, just go away. You're making it difficult for all of us to get along. Yeah. Now, you'd think that maybe this might be time for some recovery. Well, no. 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 <laughs> uh, sorry. Sorry. Don't get too excited. Because then we have the consulship of Marcus Valerius, mm. the brother of Publica. Yeah. Pub- why are we have trouble saying that? Publicola. 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 Having trouble with that one today. And Publius Postumius Tubertus. I also have him down. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. these guys become consuls. Yeah. Uh, and who'd have thought? But at this point in time, although there is no war going on, the Sabines <laughs> have decided. That now would be the time to strike at the heart of Rome. Well, because, you know, they've been weakened by all of their dealings with Porcena. I was going to say, I can kind of understand where they'd be coming from here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it does seem like a. it might be a good time to Look, strike. Look, the Sabines have a huge <laughs> grudge to bear. It's pretty yeah. clear. We've... I don't. I'm. We're on countless amounts of Sabine wars at this point in time. Yeah, I have no idea. I how really don't know how many yeah. times we've been here. I still find it a little weird though, because I mean, surely by this point in time there has been. Some sort of, you know, obviously there is a binding of the cultures here, you know, um, but it's nonetheless not enough to no. make. Yeah. Well, dominance for for, yeah. the, for the Italian hinterland Absolutely. seems to be like... Never ends. Yeah, Never it's, a, ends. it's a crescendo sort of situation. Yeah. Um, so the Sabines start making incursions into Roman territory, tiff, start tiff. killing like uh, shepherds and engaging in robberies. As you do, yeah. injuries to husbandmen. Oh dear. Uh, the Romans aren't very happy. No. They send an em- embassy and they're like, um, excuse me, would <laughs> you, you stop that? What do you think you're doing? <laughs> the Sabines are like, whatever's. 
Um, they receive a haughty answer, apparently, from the Sabines. Hmm. Um, to which Just I've, like a Sabine. Well, <laughs> which I've put as a comment, damn you, Sabines. Um, and then the Romans declare war on them. Right. So, as you do. And uh, we have a situation where the Sabines send an army mm. um, and they sort of encamp... Uh, Near the river Anio, okay, which is a tributary which flows into the Tiber. Yeah, and the Romans set up two camps, so they send out both their consuls mm-hmm. with some armies. Um, Postumius camps on the heights near Rome, so right. it's like the defensive fallback position, and Valerius uh, sits himself on the opposite side of the Anio. Okay, looking at the Sabines. <laughs> Menacingly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So do you have these sorts of details in Livy's account? Not really. See, I've basically got um, a much briefer account where it basically says that um, during the consulship, a war was carried on with success against the Sabines, and the consul's got a triumph as a result. Oh! Well, wait for it. There's way yeah. more details, listeners, than that. And Don't yeah. let Livy let you down. And it's kind of like, okay, then after that happens, then the Sabines again you know, kind of start causing problems. But again, there's nowhere near that kind of detail yet. Oh. Yeah, it oh. Can't, the detail comes later. Let me take yeah. the floor then. Please do. Dr. Radnus. I'm just going to kick back and listen to the story. <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> so, we've got the camp of the Sabines right. on one side of the river. Mm-hmm. We've got the camp of the Romans on the other side of the river. Yes. There's a gentle slope. You know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice area. Look, the Anio, lovely, lovely territory. Um... Dionysius actually goes as far as to describe the sweetness of the water. Wow. Uh, Yeah, you know, (laughs) setting the scene really nicely for this. Um, details. And so the armies are facing off on each other. Yeah. And there's been no real sort of organization in terms of, like, when will a pitch battle take place. Sure, yeah. And things start to break out into little skirmishes where each side sort of runs into the stream because it's quite shallow where they are encamped on either side of. This and sounds sort of, more like playing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> splash, and splash. So, Ew, you got my armor wet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have a little bit of a set to here and there. Yeah. And all of this sort of leads into a very disorganized kind of battle. And so there's backwards and forwards. There's in the stream. There's out of the stream. They're running to camps around the place. Um, sometimes the Romans are forcing the Sabines back. Sometimes the Sabines are forcing the Romans back. Nobody's really sure what's happening. And then the Romans start to gain some ground. Mm. Um, and as they do. Um, it's the Sabines. I was waiting for it. It's the Sabines. It, yeah. um, uh, to Sends his legate, mm-hmm. um, Spurius Lacetius, who, Lacertius, who, if um, you remember rightly, was the consul of the previous year. So, ah, yes, so we've yes, got this. Yes. I find this quite um, curious, actually. So we've got this sort of situation where, um, at this point in Roman history, you can be a consul and then become a legate. Yeah, yeah. Which is not really yeah, how it goes. Yeah, it's, not, it's yeah. not how it goes later on. Yeah. Um, but like having your fighting men all on the ground. Um, so Tibertus sends his legate. So mm. Tibertus is the guy who's camped with his army near Rome. Yeah. He sends his legate out with all of the horses yeah. to help out. Sure. Um, and they charge the Sabine horse and there is a lot of fighting and horses die and it's unfortunate. Mm. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Postumius uh, also draws in the foot. Yeah. And... 
the Sabines are really only saved by the fact that the sun starts to go down. So, so the battle, the, battle. the yeah. battle really turns against them. Um, so they run away. <laughs> run away! <laughs> in run the away. Da- yeah, yeah. In the darkness, as you do. And, <laughs> and the consuls become masters of the Sabine camp. Nice. And they're like, sweet. All right. They get lots of booty and they're pleased with that. And they're like, all right, we're done here. Let's go home. Um, and then we have this sort of moment where Dionysius positions this battle as like the first moment where Rome really gets back something of its pride mm. that it has lost since its defeat at yeah. the hands of Porcena. I see. I see where you're yes. going with this. Yeah. yeah. So it's described explicitly as a defeat. Mm. And this Sabine battle is like this little kernel of like, we can get something back here. This is good. It's like when you've broken up with someone after a serious relationship and it's the first time you sleep with someone who's really hot afterwards. Uh, uh, you know. <laughs> or maybe not that far. Maybe even just someone really hot asks you out. That would be more appropriate, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. But, you know, you've always got to have one to get over the yeah. last one. That's, that's the rule, isn't it? Um, and so the Romans decree a triumph to both of the consuls yep. for their work. Finally, you catch up to me. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but they do have some special treats um, oh, for, of course they do. <laughs> for Valerius. Yeah. Because um, Marcus Valerius has kind of done the set to battle across the street. Right. So yeah. he's done more of the work, really. Yeah. Tubertus has just sort of done the backing up, helping out business. <laughs> so Valerius is ordered um, by the Senate um, decrees that he should get part of public land mm-hmm. on the Palatine Hill yeah. uh, for a house yeah. and that the public should pay the, for the cost of the building mm-hmm. Ooh, out of the public treasury. And not only that, but particularly special. Yeah. Wait for it. I'm waiting wait for it. The folding doors of his house are the only doors in Rome, either of public or private buildings, that open outwards. Oh my God. I know, right? <laughs> this has never before been seen on any other building in Roman is. history. Pay attention. <laughs> you know, if we put the hinges on slightly differently, <laughs> the door could open so, the other way. Apart from this being like a unique feature of this place, <laughs> Does this have some sort of deeper symbolism which I'm missing? Apparently it does. Okay, yes, okay, apparently good. it does. Good. Um, we've got a couple of other sources who mention these outward opening doors. Yeah. And the it's significance. Like a thing. <laughs> well, you know, it's about letting the energy in, right? Yeah. Um, and apparently it's to do with this idea that he will forever be partaking in the public gratitude. Ah. The doors are always opening outwards. I see. Yeah, the public gratitude is always. Mm. See, I kind of think that going in, like it's kind of flowing into your house. But no, yeah, I, but if I, everybody's yeah. doors open inwards, it's, yeah, it doesn't really yeah. work like that, does it? Yeah, yeah it's got to be the opposite. So I think you just open the doors and then like everyone will be like, <laughs> like, <ooh. laughs> there he is. Yeah, yeah, so it kind of means that, like, actually, if you think about it visually, yeah. if everybody's doors open inwards and that's your private space, I see. then his yeah. house, by having yeah. the doors open outwards, yeah, makes yeah, yeah. his house a public space. Space. I get that, and that is how he's participating in the public my greatness. Symbolically, yeah, by having my Open, doors, <laughs> opening my doors yes. brings the people in. Yeah, yeah. so um, interesting. It a, yeah, God, I can't believe Livy missed all these fascinating I details. I know, Livy <laughs> loves detail. <laughs> well, maybe you'll make up for it later on. Mm. Mm. So that's that's the story I have to tell. Okay, <laughs> should we pause there? Do you think, or should we? 
Oh, look, I mean, I don't have too much further to go with. Uh, I've got some things I would like to say. Okay, uh, then I shall quickly tell you about what Livy talks about. Mm, yes. This Ooh. is the point of the narrative where Livy brings in, um, basically, a bit of disagreement between the Sabines themselves. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, so conflict with now, the Romans. Not is... everyone's on board, apparently. Oh, it's my turn to sit back and enjoy the story. Well, it's not that long, but <laughs> just to get you comfortable. <laughs> yeah, but basically, yeah, some people are saying, look, maybe a bit more peaceful, a bit more diplomacy might be the way to go here, guys. Come on. But other people, of course... <coughs> boring. Yeah, exactly. Other people are really sort of gung-ho, and they're like, no, war, war! <laughs> So, basically, the people who are more on the sort of peaceful side of things think, well, maybe it's time to pack up shop. Maybe we should actually go to Rome, okay, Um, and sort of, you know, defect. What? Yeah, I know. (gasps) And so, basically, um, notably, one of these guys is going to be known as Appius Claudius. Oh. He will become notable name for a long, you know. For quite a while. Hello, <laughs> Hello Claudians. Yeah. Claudians. Claudians, that's right. <laughs> Remember yeah. this name. Yeah, and so basically, um, they end up being admitted as citizens to Rome, hmm. and they are given land beyond the Anio. Mm. Yeah, and basically... Well, that ties in everything quite nicely, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And so basically, um, Appius ends up even being elected to the Senate, and he gets quite a reputation amongst... Uh, his new citizen body, <laughs> being quite an eminent person, you know. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of where Livy takes the narrative in, yeah, in that point, sort of establishing where this particular distinguished family comes from and where they sort of come into Rome and how they become a part of the citizenry. Ah, yeah. well, Dionysius does have this story. Okay, but yeah. he does, the details are slightly different. Yeah. Um, so we have this sort of moment where the Sabines are getting together and talking about what they're going to do. They've just been defeated. Yeah. Um, and who should turn up but the Tarquinii. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, just you wait. Um, Sextus Tarquinius, mm. um, the most loathsome of them all, uh, decides, <laughs> he starts stirring up the Sabines and says, like, look, I'll help you guys out. Like, I'm interested in taking down the Romans and, like, you know, getting, my, you out. getting my stuff back. Yeah. Um, being restored to power. Because yeah, he's been so helpful in the past. <laughs> well, I mean, Sextus is, is the son of Tarquinius Superbus, who, yeah. who most heinously... yeah. Rape responsible for the death of the Yeah, yeah. Um, He's dead to us. (laughs) Seems to be a good general, though. Mm. He's definitely still alive. And... (laughs) He's in his favour. Yeah. (laughs) His liveliness. Yeah. (laughs) He wins over two cities, Mm -hmm. uh, Fidine and Chimeria. Right. These will become important later on, particularly Fidine. So I'm going to flag that. Oh, yes. Red flag, Fidine. Yeah, good point. so he detaches them from their friendship with the Romans and mm-hmm. persuades them to become allies of the Sabines. Right, yeah. So this is all part of his deal. So he's talking to the Sabines and he's talking to people that he's encouraging to defect from Rome to join the Sabines. So he's yeah. creating a new alliance. And as a return favour for him bringing this sort of stuff together, yeah. they appoint Sextus Tarquinius uh, as the general with absolute power. Mm. And they give him leave to raise forces in every city. Wow. So all of a sudden, he's in yeah. charge of looking after the Sabine war effort. Back in the saddle again. Go, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And so while that's happening, um, 
in the city of Regilium, mm. a man of good family mm. and influential in terms of wealth, mm. a certain Titus Claudius. Ah, yes. Ah. See, my guy is also from Regilium as well. Yeah. yeah. So I think these two guys, this... Yeah. What was your guy's name? Uh, well, his name is apparently originally Atticlausus. Ooh, Atticlausus. But when he becomes part of, you know, the Roman citizenry, hello, mm. you have to change your name, he becomes Appius Claudius. Uh-huh. So yeah. Appius Claudius and Titus Claudius are going to be the same dude, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, because definitely, yeah, my guy says, yeah, packed up, shot from Regillian yeah, to yeah. go to Rome. Yeah. Certainly the consensus among scholars is that this story is similar enough that these two are the same person. Yeah. Um, so Claudius, he deserts from the Sabines. Yeah. He brings with him his friends, his kinsmen, yeah. a number of his clients. Same as in Livy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a whole bunch of armed dudes. <laughs> and interestingly... Just useful people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The reason that compelled him to remove to Rome mm. is said to have been this. So I'm quoting from Dionysius here. Mm. The men in power in the principal cities being hostile to him because of their political rivalry were bringing him to a trial on a charge of treason because he was not eager to make a war against the Romans. So it's kind of similar, except in your account, he has a slightly more pressing reason to leave. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and look, and so he dreads the trial, and so he takes his friends and comes over to the Romans. Yeah. Which, ironically, means that the Sabines were pretty spot on about him because he does engage in treason. This is true. (laughs) So, awkward. (laughs) Yeah. um, But works out in the... The narrative. Well, it works out for him, doesn't it? Works it out for does. everyone. Does and you know because he's wealthy and he comes from this good family, he immediately gets enrolled uh, into the patrician class mm. on the agreement of the senate and the people. Yeah, yeah. And not only that, mm. but bizarrely, they give him a large part of the city as he wishes for for building houses. Is it land beyond the Anio? Well, no. It's oh. in. It's it's the city. Um, I don't know if he's mentioned that maybe he has an interest in real estate and, like, you know, he's good at building. I like that particular You know, he's a property developer by trade and it would be really great if he had some space to do that in this new place. But anyway, they seem to, like, really um, generously just let him build wherever he wants to. Well, that's very nice. Yeah, and they also give him some public land. I guess land. It's, quite, it's quite a diplomatic coup, I suppose, on their behalf. <laughs> kind of. Not that they were trying to do it, but... Yeah. yeah. Well, perhaps. Dissection. <laughs> <laughs> there are rewards. Exactly. You can, can have the whole city. Yeah. <laughs> and be like, oops, we gave it all away. <laughs> um, the public land, he, um, they also give him public land between Fidine and Pictetia. Okay. And I wonder if that might be near the Anio. Maybe. Yeah, these I'm, not, are the, I'm not entirely sure. These are the things yeah. that geographically are very hard to place. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't say that I'm uber familiar with the layout of Rome at this point in time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that is my take, at least through Dionysius, on what is going on. So we have this sort of, the Sabine War is sort of rearing its head. We get some defections, yeah. quite notably, yeah. to the Romans. Yeah, and that seems to be what Livy wants to focus on more than anything, because really, after the defection, he just basically says, so they went out, waged war again, wasted their lands, whatevs, <laughs> and uh, pretty much they were they so destroyed the Sabines that uh, no chance of hostilities coming from that area for a while. Job done. Wow. Triumph, Triumph again. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's, it's really very, you know... Yeah, look, I, yeah. I mean, 
look, I'll save my details for the next episode, I think. Please do, because there's a lot of things going on in this war. Yeah. Uh, according to Dionysius. Yeah, according to Livy, he's, he's more interested in focusing on other stuff that's going down. Um, <gasps> Let's leave it on the cliffhanger. Okay. We then. shall, we shall. Who knows what's going to happen next time? Welcome Whoa, coming from any direction. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Ruined it. All right. Be sure to give us a review on iTunes if you are enjoying our podcast, and feel free to visit us on Facebook or Twitter. Ooh. <laughs>